0: Before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors Alert Communications, Law Clerk, Clio, and Abby Connect.
1: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I the would entrepreneurial be You have to communicate and that and figure you have out to what your team's way of practicing it. earlier. you do that the by organizing what it means to be fulfilled easy and to work and work a solo leader, new approach. Business. New tools, and new, tools, and really new mindset, new solo. And it's making that, leap, making that leap, making that leap,
0: making that leap. It's time for another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I'm your host. I love helping lawyers and law firms use technology better. My guest today is Sarah De Diego. Hi, Sarah. Hi. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with me. You are a bit of an unusual guest for me because I feel like most of the time I have some relationship, even if it's third party removed from my guests. You and I literally do not know each other. I hit you up out of nowhere on LinkedIn because I was presented with an article about you picking up your practice and deciding to follow your dreams. I guess that's what we're going to learn about to Puerto Rico. So, I just thought that sounded like such a great story. And as I have mentioned to you, I love talking to lawyers who, you know, take their practices to where they want and form them into the dream practice that I hope you're going to end up telling us about. So, why don't we start by you just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background and your area of law that you practice in?
2: Okay. So, uh, like you said, my name is Sarah De Diego, and um, I've been practicing for 15 years. Prior to moving to Puerto Rico, that was all spent in California, um, in Santa Monica, actually. I went to law school at uh, Pepperdine Law School and then stayed not very far from there. I represent companies who engage in online advertising and technology, so companies who send you emails with ads or banner ads or video ads, things like that, that you see online, including the annoying marketing and the marketing you like, a little <laughs> bit of, a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, and then a, a lot of companies that do online technology platforms, services that have something to do with online advertising. I started out, my practice working in business litigation at a couple of firms in LA and Didn't really like it. I I liked the litigation part. I didn't really like the being at the bigger firm. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't very much fun, (laughs) to put it nicely. (laughs) It wasn't fun at all. And I was able to go in-house for a company that was doing email marketing Mm. uh, back in 2007. And that's how I got into this industry. After a couple of years, I saw there was really a need for lawyers to represent companies in this industry mm. doing online advertising, as there just really wasn't a lot of others doing it. So I started my own firm in 2009. From there, grew my practice and moved to Puerto Rico, like you said, in 2018, and um, have moved my practice here, which is obviously very different.
0: Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I'm glad you told me about how you got into that area of law, because that was going to be one of my questions for you. So I think it's that's really interesting. You took an in-house gig, which, of course, for a lot of lawyers, an in-house gig is a whole nother conversation I could have because the dynamics of working for a large firm changes, right? You probably didn't have to bill your track your time and bill it. And I'm sure it was especially working for a tech company, probably a lot more casual than what you were used to. I certainly hear you about how large law firms, you know, they're just not for everybody. And I think a lot of either guests I've had or listeners that i, know are listening to the show, or of course, attorneys that I've met with over the years, and I've been doing this for 20 years, so I know a lot of lawyers. You're either built for a big law firm or you're not. And if you're not, it is the most soul-sucking, spirit-crushing experience. And I know because I started my career at one of Florida's largest law firms and then went to another one of Florida's largest law firms. And I'm not even a lawyer, so I don't blame you at all. I actually applaud you for recognizing that that was just not going to be a good fit for you. I'm sure your mental health was suffering and and you ended up with this cool gig that then led you down this other path. And I think that's so great. So when you looked around the landscape and, and saw that there wasn't a lot of attorneys filling this new market need, you jumped on it right away, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, I, I started in two thousand nine. So I had been doing it for a while, had made, you know, a number of contacts in the industry from what I was doing. So it was pretty easy to get clients when I when I left. And and we actually have most of our clients I've had now for ten plus years. Oh, that's you know? great. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the companies, you know, I took on when I first started, uh, we still actually have. So that's been nice as well. My practice has kind of grown along with you know, the advertising clients that we service.
0: Yeah, that's great. When you started your own firm and wanted, or, you know, just thought that you could focus on this particular area, were you true solo or did you launch with um, others?
2: No, it was just me for a long time. And then I started hiring law clerks Hmm. from from my old law school. And then a couple of them I, you know, hired after they graduated as associates. And then, you know, they moved on to other things. And for, let's see, I don't even know what year it is. Um, <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> Nobody knows what been year to, it is right now. I know. <laughs> um, I've been trying for many years to talk my best friend from law school into quitting. She also worked at a big firm and coming to work with me. And in 2016, she agreed. So she joined me, um, which was fantastic because I had just actually had a baby. I have one son. And it's, you know, was definitely really, and I had just had one associate working for me and it was really tough trying to, you know, take time off to have a baby and having clients I didn't want to lose and wanted to, you know, give them the same level of service. So that's been really great. I mean, I I can't say enough how great it's been to be able to work with a friend and that's been really great. And then after I moved to Puerto Rico, I hired an associate here as well.
0: And when... I guess we could have probably have a whole conversation. I've had a couple of guests about this in, in deciding to form a practice with a best friend. I mean, that can go in either direction, right? It could either be, oh, so worst mistake we made. We turns out we we're good friends, but we couldn't work together. But it sounds like for you, here we are, what's it, about five, four years later, sounds like the two of you have really made it work. And she is not in Puerto Rico. Is that correct? No,
2: she's in Texas. Great. Um, she actually had moved back there after law school. Um, and so she's, she's stayed in Texas. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's worked out. It's worked out really well. I don't know that we've ever even had an argument.
0: That's great.
2: So, yeah. I, I lucked out. I lucked out on that one because you are right. Lots of people who try to work together. It just doesn't work out very well.
0: So are you licensed in California only? And is she Texas only? Or do you each have um, multi-jurisdictional practices?
2: So she's licensed in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm licensed in California, Colorado, and Nevada. Cool. Um, I have not attempted to get licensed in Puerto Rico because the state court, well, I guess the territorial court system here is in Spanish. Uh. and My Spanish is honestly not that good. (laughs) So... I don't really have any intention of practicing here in Puerto Rico right? because I would fail miserably at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Spanish part, <laughs> not at the law yes, part. the Spanish part
2: <laughs> would not do so well. Well, they have they have a very—I don't honestly know that much about Puerto Rican mm-hmm. laws because they're very different than the states. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I think, is based on, like, the Spanish legal—Spain's legal, Spain's legal mm, system. Interesting. So— No, not interested in that. And also there's not, you know, uh, Puerto Rico is not very tech heavy. Right. You wouldn't have clients there. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of it here.
0: I guess the moral of the story here is you can run your practice from anywhere and live wherever you like because your clients are tech savvy, tech enabled. And I'm assuming that technology is an important part of you being able to live and work in Puerto Rico, your partner being in Texas, and then your clients being likely across the country.
2: Yeah, we actually have clients around the world. Mm. Um, You know, we have clients in Europe, the UK, Canada, and then, you know, obviously a lot in the States. The clients in other places do advertising in the States. And so that's why we help them. And and specifically California. California is is probably the state with the most laws that impact online advertising. So most most everything we do is very heavy on California. Yeah. Uh, So that's how we can, you know... Kind of have clients everywhere. Yeah. But to your question, yes, we use tech and everything. When the pandemic hit, nothing changed in our practice because we were already doing it and had been, you know, even when I moved here, nothing really changed in our practice. All of our clients, like you said, being tech savvy, were used to talking to us on Zoom or Skype. Skype really more than Zoom, Mm -hmm. but, you know, over Skype, usually it's by chatting, email. Telegram, um, you name it, yeah. <laughs> or clients, just depends where they are, what, you know, what they use. So we were already used to, you know, having a, a completely
0: online practice Yeah. Um, well before I moved or, or the pandemic hit. Wow. That's amazing. It gives me so much hope to hear stories like this. I feel like I spend a lot of time helping lawyers get to the point where they're cloud-based cloud comfortable and you know believe that the clients are not going to leave them just because you know they might be practicing from their home which the pandemic has certainly made that completely a null and void conversation for the most part hey before we go on let's take a quick break and listen to a couple of messages from some sponsors as the largest legal only call center in the US alert communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake ALERT captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365, as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. ALERT uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how ALERT can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. Did you know that firms using electronic payments collect an average of $15,179 more per lawyer and see 6% more revenue growth? Simply put, law firms using electronic payments on average bring in higher case volumes and more revenue. For more insights to help turbocharge your law firm, check out Clio's Legal Trends Report, a compilation of industry insights. Go to Clio.com to download your free copy today. All right. It's time for new insights. We're going to hear question number three from Robert Southwell to Eric Ganchi. And I want to make sure and thank Noda by m Bank for their support of this segment. To learn more, visit TrustNoda.com. Terms and conditions may apply. Today, we've got Robert's third question.
1: I was told in order to uh, become more skilled at voir dire jury selection, it's something I've never done without co-counsel. You have to watch and observe attorneys do it, which you can't really do in these times. So what are some suggestions you have as far as learning a little bit and educating yourself on, on the voir dire process for young attorneys? Jury selection is one of the most interesting, exciting parts of trial. You can practice jury selection every single day by just talking to people. People like the, the, the general person that you're talking to at the grocery store walking around, walking their dog, your Uber driver, you know, once we can Uber again safely post COVID, like those are the types of people that are going to be sitting on your jury. So if you have an issue that you're really chewing on, or you have an issue that you don't know how to talk about it or how to do a jury selection piece on it, just talk to people. And you want to talk to people that are going to be really honest with you. So either strangers can be great, Or, you know, friends and family that are going to be really, really honest with you. Or find someone that you think that are really going to dislike your position. (laughs) Because that can be a really eye-opening experience of when you're doing voir dire and you ask a question about something and someone's like, I hate your position. I hate your client. I think you look stupid. You know, because that's what can happen sometimes. Jury selection can catch on fire real quick. So just get out there and, and talk to people. Other organizations that you can maybe talk to. This was a a suggestion by another friend of mine, but I stole it. Is go to like nursing homes or other types of communities where people have like larger groups um, have have more time. Um, That them typically are like people who are elder in age. Talk with them and those people that have that much experience in their life. Many times they're going to have lots of opinions as to what are going to happen. And a lot of times people that are older, they may be your people that are serving in your jury anyway. So they could be good people to talk to on the complete flip side, also talking to younger generations. So I would say like collegiate, like organizations or groups, like maybe seeing if you can come talk to like groups of people or, or boards, law school organizations like that kind of stuff. It's really vaudeer is just so much about talking to people generally just talking to people so if you can get practice talking to people then that's a great start and maybe just start one-on-one talking to a friend that you know is not going to just agree with you because they love you to pieces have someone that's going to be very honest with you and see about having that honest conversation with them about your case
0: thanks so much to eric and robert southwell for participating in new insights we're going to listen to some messages from some sponsors now your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you answer all the phone calls from new or existing clients while juggling your caseload? Try Abby Connect, the friendly, industry-trained live receptionist who are well-known for consistently providing high-quality customer service, lead intake, and appointment setting to firms just like yours. Visit abby.com forward slash LTN or call 833-ABBY-WOW for your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. LawClerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Signing up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code NEWSOLO to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back. I'm talking to Sarah de Diego, a California attorney who's based in Puerto Rico. And I am going to get to the bottom of that in just a few minutes. Sarah, a couple more questions for you. Just how about your basic technology infrastructure? How do you and your partner communicate, exchange messages? Are you Macs? Are you PCs? What do you use for practice management? You know, give us an idea of what your tech stack looks like. So
2: um, two of us use Macs and then the third uses a PC. Great. We, I mean, we're pretty simple. We have a chat on Skype. We talk to each other in there. I'd like to say that we, you know, have regular phone calls, but we really don't. (laughs) It's probably something we should be better about, but. Well, when um, there's no need, there's
0: no need, right? Like why force it if you can get everything done through chat and through, you know, regular work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's actually a lot more efficient to, I mean, not I think, I, I'm positive, it's its incredibly more efficient to just, you know, chat and, and ask questions that way than yeah. having phone calls because it takes a long time. On the other hand, you miss the, you know, the personal connection of, of, you know, chatting with each other, which you don't get when you're, you know, chatting through Skype, but but it is a lot more efficient. So we use Skype, we use Dropbox. Um, Dropbox mm-hmm. has a lot of great features for, you know, you can edit documents at the same time. You can work on projects at the same time. So we um, do use Dropbox for practice management. We recently switched to TimeSolve a couple of mm-hmm. months ago. Sure. Um, so far I've been, you know, it's a little more simplistic than some other systems we've used, but I like it. And their customer service is just absolutely fantastic. Their training, their customer service That's um, great. has been the best of any of the ones that we've used. And we've used a few. Sure. So we've been happy with that so far.
0: Yeah, that's great. Timesolve is. I'm glad you mentioned that in case someone hears this. Because if you look at many of our modern practice management programs, they offer a lot. You know, they they have a lot of features. And then for some attorneys, it's it's overkill. And I'm not saying that they are for you, but you know, it sounds like you found a product that works. And Timesolve is a little more basic, more simple, but you still manage to capture your time, get your bills out manage contacts in there. So I think it's a a really nice solution. I don't mention it very often because I don't often get guests that use it, but I've had a lot of clients that use it. I think it's a nice product and it's affordable too. And they recently announced an integration with NetDocuments. So for my regular listeners who know how much I love NetDocuments, TimeSolve is now integrating with them. So that's a plus for TimeSolve as well. Well, that's really cool. So you've got a decent tech stack, You guys can communicate, work well together, and it sounds like your clients are fine with all the technology you use, and you guys probably collaborate with them very easily when you need to, I would take it.
2: Yes. You know, very easy to do. We do a lot of, you know, contract negotiations, revisions, redlining, you Uh know, documents for our clients, and um, very easy to send things that way. We, you know, a lot of our regular clients have their own systems that they use internally, so one thing that we struggle a little bit with is having to use a lot of our client systems. Um, Mm. A lot of them have, you know, their own company project management systems that we have to use. So we use a lot of different ones um, for different clients
0: yeah, so they give you a login and access to whatever system they're using, and then you all just log in as you work on that project with them. That's pretty neat. That gives you exposure to a lot of systems.
2: Yeah. so like I use a for one client, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I could reuse so many different ones. So that gets challenging a little bit just because of having to log in to you know, yeah, all these different systems or for clients, uh, a lot of our clients use Slack, which is great yep. for for chats. So we're, you know, in multiple Slack for <laughs> yeah. different clients. So it, it can get a little bit, but you get used to it.
0: Yeah. And and honestly, let's think about how much harder practicing law would have been 10 or 12 years ago without those tools and just having to log in and out of different Slack accounts. It's, gosh, it's not the worst thing you could have to do in a day.
2: Yeah, there, it, there's definitely much worse things. When I first started <laughs> representing clients who did tech, what was really hard for me was I mean, first, just figuring out what it was that they were doing. That was definitely a challenge. But also just changing my ways of communicating, because when you work at a firm, you're, I mean, especially back then, you're, you're you know, phone calls, you're having meetings, you're faxing yeah. things. You know, you're emailing things. When I switched into this, I had clients, you know, they wanted to talk on, like, instant message and Skype and text message and, you know, all these different things. And nobody wanted to come to my office Really, and see me unless it was for lunch. Um, You know, I mean, I have wonderful clients who I'm, you know, very good friends with after all these years, and they come by because there was a good taco shop by my office. But you know, not really for not really for work. So it it was definitely a a challenge, you know, to get used to communicating in a different way, which is by communicating online. I mean, the nice thing is I was really set up for the pandemic though, about you know, ten years in advance. So.
0: That's so awesome. Your practice was pandemic proof before you needed to be. Um, quick question I thought of sort of sidetracked, but not really. And that is being distributed the way you and your partner are and your clients being all over the world, how do you get new clients or do you market specifically for new clients? Or is it word of mouth and you haven't really had to do a lot of marketing or advertising?
2: So we don't really do any advertising or marketing. And in fact, actually our website hasn't worked in years which is really funny for being a tech lawyer. Um, <laughs> my clients tease me about this often. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, You're like,
0: wait, I'm the best kept secret. That's why. You can't yeah. even find my website. <laughs> um, you know, when I first started my practice,
2: I, I spoke at a lot of industry conferences, mm. you know, did a lot of compliance training, and which I love doing, and, and I do still do that, you know, some. Um, I kind of cut back when I had my son just you know, the practicality of leaving the baby at home. And then now obviously we have the pandemic, but I I do still, you know, speak at conferences and stuff. So that was a good way to get our, you know, my name out there originally. But like I said, most of our clients we've had since I started my practice or shortly thereafter, and we might take on a couple, one or two new clients a year, but we really don't take on much simply because our clients, we like them and and they stay around. And we try to be, you know, kind of select the clients that we take on with the goal of having them for a really long time.
0: Yeah, that's such a good thing to hear. And especially when I have new lawyers, you know, they think when you're starting out, you can't imagine ever turning down clients or having enough clients, right? That's just not something that's baked into a lawyer's brain. But when you get to that point, and it's comfortable, like you just said, we've got the right number of clients, I mean, unless you're looking to grow and you know, not every lawyer or small firm is, that's such a special gift to have in long-term clients that you like and they like you and you're not scrambling for new clients all the time. And I guess another thing to point out there just to say, state the obvious is you take on the types of clients and matters that have a very long shelf life. So if you're a personal injury attorney or a criminal defense attorney, those matters tend to have really short Lifespans, and then that's why they're always hunting for new clients. But areas like yours sounds it sounds great. So I'm I'm happy to hear all those things. The last thing I want to ask you about is what I've been most curious about, which is why Puerto Rico and how did you decide to do that, and what did your did you have your son in Puerto Rico or before you went?
2: Uh, before I went.
0: Okay, so you know what was that like, just from a family decision, and and how'd you do it?
2: Well, with a lot of packing, a lot of suitcases. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is practically how we did it. So I love to travel. That's that's what I like to do. Probably more than anything, other than sit on the beach. But I I love traveling. I would like to see every country in the world before I die. Mm, Not awesome sure goal. that's going to happen because I'm only about halfway there, and the pandemic has definitely gotten in the way of my uh, goals. But we do already a lot of traveling. And i have been in Santa Monica for a long time, about 15 years or so, I think, and was, you know, kind of looking for a change, thinking about, I don't know, just, you know, doing other things. Uh, my husband works in film, so L.A. is kind of a where we had stayed. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. And I had a couple of clients, actually, who I, I got the idea from Puerto Rico from a client, mm. Um A couple of my clients actually had moved their businesses down here because Puerto Rico has a really good tax incentive program. Hmm. If you move your business from the States to Puerto Rico, they have amazing tax incentives, especially Hmm. if you're moving someone from California to Puerto Rico, where if you're from California, you know you pay a lot of taxes. so. (laughs) A lot of businesses have been moving down from the States to Puerto Rico under this tax program. It was called Act 2022. Now it's called Act 60. Basically, if you move your business here, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it, but the basic is that you pay a flat 4% corporate tax, and then the owner doesn't actually pay any further tax on the corporate gains, which is
0: amazing. Totally.
2: Yes. (laughs) And now everybody... (laughs) Every other lawyer who hears this, you'd be like, wait a minute, I want to move to Puerto Rico. (laughs) (laughs) I will say there's plenty of room down here. It's lovely. Everybody should come. So that's where the idea came from. I had a couple of clients who had moved their businesses down and friends who moved their businesses down. And I think 2018 around tax time came. And as usual, I was very upset (laughs) middle of April. So uh, we were taking a trip to uh, the Dominican Republic actually for a client retreat and Mm -hmm. decided we'd come over to Puerto Rico afterwards, you know, check it out, just kind of see, because I mean, it just sounded amazing. Huge difference though. And then we, you know, came back again later in the year, found a place, went ahead, applied for the tax program. I moved my my law firm here and uh, we made the move. So it, it was a big move. Um, I've been in Southern California my entire life. I grew up in Huntington <laughs> Beach,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> went to college in San
2: Diego, law school in Malibu, and then <laughs> settled in Santa Monica. So, you know, it was a huge, it was a huge change. All of our families in the states. My Spanish is not fantastic anymore, and you know, it, it was you know a, a humongous change for us. But yeah. I love it.
0: I'm so glad. One, who decided like between you and your husband, who was like, "How about Puerto Rico?" and did the other one go? Yes. You know, I'm just curious, like the dynamics, or was it just kind of, it sort of evolved and you said, well, sounds like a cool, different idea. And worst thing, if we don't like it, we move back.
2: I think it was more, a I said, we should do this because we were paying some probably large tax bill at the time. And I was upset. And I think (laughs) probably my husband said something more like, you're crazy. It was probably, the conversation probably went more (laughs) like that. Um, (laughs) But he also loves to travel. You know, and and Puerto Rico is really nice. I mean, I'm I'm actually my window, my view right now is of a really gorgeous beach. Ah. so that's what I get to look at all day. And we, you know, we Santa Monica is nice. We liked where we lived. Indeed, but, I mean, yeah. it's so nice here. Yeah, and the, the people are really nice. You know, when we moved, you know, it was obviously a little scary. You don't know anybody. You don't, we didn't yeah. have any furniture. We moved into an empty you know, we, we had leased a place, moved in, it was empty. We couldn't even find like furniture stores, you know. It, <laughs> it was definitely a disaster when we first moved. Um, <laughs> complete disaster. But, <laughs> the, you know, we found it really quickly. Our neighbors are so nice. All of our neighbors are so nice. Yeah. And not just our neighbors, but everybody in Puerto Rico is so nice
0: That's and so helpful.
2: Great. And they just go out of their way. It's almost like a, I never lived in a small town, but it's what I imagine a small town. Mm. Like in the U.S., you know, would be like where people actually help you if you look lost. (laughs) And people smile and wave and, you know, it's very strange. Moving from L.A., when we first moved here, I kept. You know, being suspicious, like, what do they want from me? Why are they oh, smiling at me?
0: Sure. You know, sure. why are they
2: saying hi to me? Do you want money? Like, what do you, what, 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 why are you being so nice? You're um, like, and then, holy you shit, d-.
0: these people are actually just nice. <laughs> yeah, they're just nice for they're no reason. Nice. They're just nice. <laughs> Very different yeah. than LA. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. So, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, that's been great. My son goes to a really nice, you know, private school here, which the prices are considerably better than LA. I have a gorgeous beach that I can walk downstairs to anytime and that's really clean and nice. I mean, I I really love it here. And then, you know, obviously with the pandemic hitting, we've been so glad that we made the move when we did because now everyone's just at home anyways. Yeah. And if you're going to be home, can't go really go anywhere, do anything. It's nice to be able to at least walk out to the beach
0: and,
2: you know, have something right there to do.
0: And especially LA, I'm sure you have heard this whole time from all your friends that the lockdown there has been just the worst. I spend a lot of time in LA. We have a little crash pad in Hermosa Beach and it's tough going there. It's heavy lockdown there. Florida is the exact opposite. It's just ridiculous, like embarrassingly unrestricted and um, almost to where you just, you definitely don't feel safe walking around, going into a restaurant in Florida. At least I don't. So yes, I think Puerto Rico and a beach and a nice small town feel for a a law practice sounds just Dreamy. Absolutely wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that I connected with you and we could have this conversation. And I think, you know, like I mentioned to you, my goal is always to inspire listeners to to believe that they can have their practices just about anywhere. Obviously, it's not 100% the case for, for all lawyers and practices, but for so many I know you can do it and you are living, breathing proof that it can be done. Your dreams can come true and you can live in paradise and and enjoy your practice, which is another thing that's nice about talking to someone like you, Sarah. It sounds like you really like what you do. And I think positioning yourself the way you have has made that the case and that's inspiring too. So thank you so much for your time.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. And, and, and yes, I do. I love what I do. I love our clients, you know, which has a lot to do with it. I don't think it really matters what you do as long as you enjoy the people that you work with. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky we picked an area of law that made it so we could do it from anywhere. Yeah. You know, at least most of the time we can do it from anywhere. Obviously not every law practice can do that. But I also think that's changing now. You know, I, I am hopeful that post-pandemic things will stay a little bit more fluid where people can work from home. They can maybe actually take vacations. They mm-hmm. can you know, just enjoy their life a little bit more than you know, there's in my opinion, there's a lot more to life than going to work in an office eighty hours a week in a suit. So I'm I'm glad that I was able to adapt my practice
0: to, you know, wear a bathing suit instead. I love it, and I think that is an absolutely perfect way to end our program today. I want to make sure and thank Sarah De Diego so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And thank you all for listening to New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard today, I would love for you to subscribe to New Solo on your favorite podcasting app. Give it a five-star rating. Go ahead, do it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Remember, you're not alone. You're a new solo.
1: I've been From nine to five, been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short. I was thinking this was the way to go, and you put up your puppet show. I say, Cheers to life.